Lord, as we look at getting into your word right now, I just want to pray for us. I want to pray that we would learn today, like we would have head knowledge of how heaven works. We would literally know what happens. With confidence, we would know what happens after a person dies. And then, Lord, I pray not just for a head knowledge and learning, but for a heart that would be excited for heaven and a heart that would be desiring for others to go to heaven and a heart would be broken for those that might not be going to heaven. So, Lord, I pray for our heads in the learning part, and I certainly pray for our hearts in the part where we just get to think about eternity with you. We praise your name. Amen. All right. So, so as we get ready to start, I just want to set this up because it's going to be different than what y'all are used to. Jordan, who I think is just a great preacher, oftentimes, usually, his preaching style is what's called expository or inductive, which means it's like a microscope. You're looking in, you're zooming on a text, and he's giving you everything there is. It's meat and potatoes, and he's giving you everything there is on that text, and, and he's drawing it out for you. And that's, in my mind, the best way to preach week to week to week to week. Long term, that's the best way to be fed. This summer, we're answering some of these hot topic questions that y'all had, and when we do that, we have to do it topically, which is more like a zoom out. It's more like looking at the stars in the sky, or I would say putting a puzzle together where you've got these different pieces of scripture, and you're putting them together to form a theology of a certain topic. Would you just nod if you're with me right now? So this is going to feel different than what Jordan does, and I'm always different than Jordan too, and, and that's cool. You know, it's the body of Christ, right? So I just wanted to prepare you for that. We're going to really look at three questions today, um, which, which, which are on a computer somewhere and not in your outline, okay? But we're looking at three questions. Number one, how did afterlife work in the Old Testament? Number two, how does it work now? And number three, what's it like when Jesus comes back, okay? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Let's start with this. And by the way, I am not usually a note taker, but if you are a note taker, since you don't have an outline, feel free to write down, feel free to not write down, okay? Follow me on my points, okay? So part A. What happened to people in the Old Testament when they died? They went to a place called Sheol. Sheol. That is an Old Testament word. That is a Hebrew word for the grave. It's a word for the grave. Listen, the wicked went there, but also the righteous, the good guys and the bad guys, those with no faith, those with faith. Everybody went to Sheol. So you've got to understand that, first of all, in the Old Testament, they all went to the same place, but it was divided. Second thing. Number two, the New Testament, Greek word for, for Sheol is Hades. Raise your hand if you've heard the word Hades. Okay, put your hands down. We're at a little bit of a disservice because when the New King James Version or the King James Version was translated, they kind of made Hades and hell interchangeable. For this morning, Hades is different than hell. And you'll see that as we walk through this. But Hades is just the New Testament Greek word for Sheol. You're familiar with the story of the rich man and Lazarus? We're going to read through it real quick, okay? Now, I've got up here that it's a parable. I tend to lean towards that. I think it's a parable. Some people think it's a real story. It really doesn't change much for the purpose this morning, whether it's a parable or a real story. It shows us what life was like in Sheol, okay? So let's read this. Luke 16, and I'm going to start with verse 19. Uh, sorry, chapter 16, verse 19. This is Jesus talking. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. At his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, 
who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Some of you will say Abraham's bosoms. This, 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 uh, this represents the good side of Sheol. Uh, the rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus by his side. So they both went to Hades, or Sheol, but they're on different sides. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger into water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Besides all this, between us there's a great chasm that's been fixed in order that those who, uh, who would pass from here to you are not able, and none may cross from, here, from there to us. Are you with me right now? There's Sheol, Old Testament. It's called Hades in the New Testament. Everybody goes there. There's a good side, there's a bad side, and there's a chasm in between. You can't cross, okay? Now, when I asked one of my sons this, I said, I said his name's Austin, I call him Boomer. I said, Boomer, tell me when you think of, of hell, who would you think of from the Old Testament that would be in hell? And he kind of went through a list. So I put this list up here for us, and he, first of all, he goes right to Pharaoh. He goes right to Pharaoh, and he says, maybe Nebuchadnezzar, and then he says, hey, how about, how about the guy that wanted to kill Esther's uncle, Mordecai? Remember, he wanted to kill all the Jews. I bet he's there. And I said, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. And he was definitely Goliath, who David, the giant that, Goliath, uh, that David fought. And, he, and then, you know, I had this last one on there. But remember Solomon married all those ladies that, that were not believers in the Jewish God and the Israel God, and they led him astray. And so I think we tend to do this, and it's okay, but we, we tend to put the, the non-Jewish people on one side and then, the, you know, you think of Noah, who was before Israel, right? But you got Noah, a righteous man. You got Abraham, Moses, Joseph, David on the other side. And we kind of tend to split it to where we think, well, gee, the good side's probably all the Israelites, and the bad side's probably all the non-Israelites. But I got to share one verse with you, which is really important. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And hey, guys, this is not just true of Old Testament. This is true of today. Uh, faith determined where a person went, not their nationality. So if they were born Jewish, it didn't guarantee them the good side of Sheol. Romans 9, 6, Paul says, But it is not as though the word of God had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Please catch this. What Paul is saying is not everybody that's born a Jewish person has the Jewish faith. And he goes on to expound on this in, in Romans 9, but it's really important. I put up here a list of the, the divided kingdom's kings, and you know what? Anybody know what those green dots represent? Anybody know who the green? Those were the only good kings. The other ones were all really bad, evil kings. And so what I want to help us understand before we move on from this first part, next slide please, is this. You would have had, oh, is that going to cut off every time? All right, you would have had Israel's bad kings. You would have had Israel's bad priests on that bad side of Sheol. It's not like they just got their card punched because they were born Jewish. On, this, on the same time, if you go to the other side, you would have people like Rahab. Do you remember her? She was not Jewish in Jericho, but she helped us. She put a faith in them, it seemed like. You would have somebody like Ruth who was a Moabite. She was not born Jewish, but she put her faith in the God of the Israelites. You would have the people of Nineveh when Jonah came reluctantly. Do you remember that? 
I don't want to go there. And they went on the big fishing trip. Remember that? He ends up in Nineveh. He tells them, and to his disdain, they repent. So for a time, Nineveh was following God. So you got to catch me here, okay? It's not all just Israel on the good side and not Israel on the bad side. I'm going to do a quick recap, and we're going to go on to the second question. Recap from the first part. The Old Testament had everybody go to Sheol when they died. Everybody. Second thing, Sheol had two sides, and you couldn't switch. You couldn't switch. Which side you went to was based on your faith, not your family or your birth. And the third thing, which I think is really important to lay down, is this is not describing purgatory in any way. This is not purgatory. Uh, I can talk to you later. You can talk to Jordan you can talk, in a few weeks, you, uh, two couple months. You can talk to Stephen if you want. Purgatory, I don't find that in the Bible, okay? This is not purgatory, it's Sheol. Let's go on to the second uh, part here, and that's part B. And this is, I think, the part that we really want to know about for us today. What happens to people now when they die? Like right now, when I have a family member that dies, what happens to them? Where are they? This is called the intermediate state. Intermediate meaning between two points, okay? So for us today, um, when we die, we go somewhere, and intermediately, it's between when we die and when Jesus comes back. And I think this is one of the main points you need to remember from today is how this shakes out, okay? So Jesus tells one of the thieves on the cross, the one that seemed to put his faith in him, today you will be with me in paradise. Do you remember that? Luke 23, Luke 23. So on that day that Jesus died on the cross and the day that that criminal died on the cross, something happened. And I'm going to put this next slide up here. And what happened, I wish they were all on there, but you've got all these people on the bad side. And you've got all these people on the good side of Sheol or Hades, as it's called in the New Testament. And it seems from Scripture, when you put all those pieces of the puzzle together, that when Jesus died, it's as if he descended onto the good side of Sheol and he said, Come on, boys it's, and girls, it's time to go. So the next slide, boom, it's emptied. And all of a sudden, the people that were in there and the people that die ever since the cross would go to be with Christ in what I call paradise. It's, it's with heaven, with him in heaven right now. Now, to keep going, I'm going to put a chart up here. This I really wanted in your bulletin, and I'm so sorry it's not. This might be worth writing down. It's up to you. But for the Christian, when they go through death, they go to a different place than the non-Christian. So what happens to people when they die? Our souls are separated from our bodies. Hey, raise your hand if you've been to a funeral in the last two months. I'm sorry for your loss. You've been to a funeral lately. You went to a funeral, and the odds were you saw a body, but it was a lifeless body because the soul had left it. We know that the soul leaves the body at death. The body stays. We bury it. It goes in the ground, and it stays there, but the soul goes somewhere else. I'm going to put up here, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8. And again, this is where we're piecing these Bible verses together. Let's put that up there, could we? This is the Apostle Paul talking about the resurrection of, of, of believers. And he says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. So he's talking about while we're alive. We're in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So what he's describing is this idea that at some point we die and the soul leaves the body and goes to be with the Lord. Now, I'm going to use the words I use with my students, with us today. This is just how I teach it. But I generally call this place paradise, because Jesus called it paradise, or lowercase h heaven. Let's put that next slide up there. Paradise with Jesus. Now, this is heaven. God is there. Jesus is there. 
our souls are there. But it's different than the heaven we read at the end of Revelation, which we'll get to in a second. So I call that lowercase h heaven. Now, what about those that don't know Christ? And remember, please get this. The only difference between those that go to paradise and those that go to Hades, we all have sin. We all have messed up. It's the people that have said, I believe in Jesus, and I trust him to forgive my sin. I will follow him. I've put my faith in him. Kind of like in the Old Testament, the people that said, we believe in the God of the Israelites. And so the only difference here, it's not what we did, 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 did. It's what Jesus has done. So if you're jotting this down, those that don't know Jesus would go to the bad side of Hades. They would go to the grave, and I call that lowercase h, hell. Now, let me keep uh, going with the next slide, if we could. Um, I put at the bottom there, you can kind of think of that like jail before prison. Do you understand if you commit a major crime and you're going to go to prison, you go to jail first and it's a holding place until your sentence has been given and your judgment has been given. And that's really what that Hades acts as until Jesus comes back, okay? So progress with me if you would. Number seven, this is called the new heavens and the new earth. So now we're going to get into part C. Um, before we do that, hold the slide. Sorry, we're, we're doing our best here. Hold the slide. I want to recap part B, the intermediate state, okay? What you have to know about how it works right now. Between the time of the cross and Jesus returning, we're in this intermediate state where the soul of everybody goes either to paradise with Jesus, with God, or Hades, the bad side of Hades. Uh, believer souls will go up, Unbeliever souls will go to Hades, and, and that's really, I think, what we need to remember for right now. Let's get into part C, though, and this is, what will heaven be like after Jesus returns? Because this is what we tend to think about, or this is what movies tend to show us, but this is not realized until the second coming. This is called the new heavens and the new earth, and it's described in Revelation 21. Revelation 21. If you're a note-taker, I would probably jot that down. I'm going to read it for us. This is the apostle John speaking. He has seen this vision of what heaven will be like, and now it's kind of wrapping up. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw this holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. Real quick, this is like a return to Eden. The last two chapters of the Bible are very similar to the first two chapters of the Bible. No more sin, and man is reunited with God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So there is a point in time. And by the way, there are four major end times views that have to do with the millennium and the rapture and the tribulation that I'm not going to touch today. <laughs> I mean, we don't have time. I'll let, I'll let your guys, you know, Jordan and then Stephen can walk you through that. But the point is, there's a return of Jesus. And when that happens, it, it, it's the new heavens and the new earth. Okay? There's new heavens. Um, there's, there's new earth. It will be familiar, but it will be different. Okay? So we will have new resurrected bodies. We will have new resurrected bodies. I will read this. First, oh, we'll put the, the slide up there. Next slide. So when Jesus comes back, there's a resurrection. There's a resurrection of everybody, depending on your end times view, at some point. 
The people in Hades, the people in heaven, the people in paradise will be resurrected, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 42, let's put it up here. The Apostle Paul, again, speaking on the resurrection. Hey, church, do you think this is kind of a big deal to Paul? It was kind of a really big deal that we understand how this works. So he's talking about the future, and he says, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. This is when Jesus comes back. He says, the body that is sown is perishable. He sometimes calls our body a tent. He compares it to a tent. It's perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So I don't know if it shakes out like this. And some of you will recognize this movie. I don't know if we start out looking like the kid on the left and end up looking like the rock in Jumanji, okay? I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that, but I think the point is I will probably come back looking like a middle-aged, healthy version of Chris Snyder that you guys would recognize. Again, if you mistake me for the rock in heaven or on earth, I'm perfectly fine with that. It's never happened, okay? But the point is we all get new bodies. Check it out. After the second coming, these bodies have to last forever in one of two places, but they have to last forever, and they do last forever. All right. One confusing thing that Hollywood gets really wrong and a lot of Christians get really wrong, we do not become angels. There's a point in Matthew, this is from uh, Matthew 22, where he's teaching about uh, marriage in heaven or not having marriage in heaven. And he compares people in heaven to angels, basically saying we're not going to marry. But this is what the verse says. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given a marriage, but they're like the angels in heaven. In other words, he's just saying they're single. He's not saying, now, Dick, you are a saint, but you won't be an angel. You got it? You got it? And you are a saint, you're a, you're, but you won't be an angel. And can I just tell you, thank God for that, because that would be a demotion. Okay? Humans were created in the image of God, not angels. Jesus died on the cross for, for people, not for angels. And so it would be a demotion. But I just want to clear that up real quick. Clear that up. Okay, part C, what will heaven be like after Jesus returns we will be rewarded for how we live our lives. Now, I'm going to walk us through the rest of this chart. I'm going to walk us through the rest of the chart. After the resurrection, there is a judgment for believers. That word judgment got, got pulled out there. Now, some of you are looking. I see it on your faces like, oh, I don't remember that. I don't know if I like that. Didn't, didn't the cross take care of all that? It's a rewards judgment for believers, a rewards judgment. If you like to jot down verses, um, I will go to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 10. This is Paul again speaking, and he's speaking about this rewards judgment. So guys, first of all, ladies, this has nothing to do with sin. This has nothing to do with, with, with our moral failures. That was taken care of on the cross. This is how did we live the great commandment, the great commission, basically, okay? So this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one, he's speaking of believers here, may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad, okay? So he's talking now about this, it's called the bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and it's where you're rewarded for things. Next slide here. We've kind of got like how you did great commission, how you did great commandment. I'm going to break it down for us a little bit. Um, When it comes to how you use your time, next slide, and how you use your treasure, and how you use your talents, okay? Those are kind of three things that we have at our disposal, and some of us have more of it than others, but how did we use it? How did we use it for the great commission? How do we use it for the great commandment? 
Did we hold on to things? Did we hold them tightly? Did we use them to bless, to reach others? Our time. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm going to talk to some of you that are like my age, mid-40s. Does it seem like money is less important and time is more and more important? You start to have kids that are growing up quick, and all of a sudden it's like, man, we can always make a little more money, but time, we don't have a rewind button on this life. How are we using our time and then our talents? Um, I just saw a selfie. This was so cool. I'm going I'm to tangent real quick, but we're doing good on time. I saw a selfie last night a friend of mine had of Travis Kelsey, the wide receiver for the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey um, was at a, a charity golf tournament with, a, with a, a friend of a friend. It was actually a cousin of a friend. And, and the cousin of a friend said, man, no offense, I'm not exactly a Chiefs fan, but my, bro, my, uh, my cousin is a huge Chiefs fan. He goes, could I get a selfie with you? And Travis Kelsey was like, absolutely. And as they kept on going, they kind of got talking. And Tra- Travis Kelsey offered to call his cousin. And Travis Kelsey called and talked to his cousin for like 10 minutes. Now, can I just kind of bring this down a little bit? That's not real significant. That's a 10-minute phone call, right? But Travis Kelsey used his position to bless somebody. Like, that'd be kind of cool to get a call, especially if you loved a football team, from somebody on that team. Like, that, that's kind of a big deal, okay? That's not what this is talking about when it says your talents, but I'm going to circle back to this. God gave Travis Kelsey a platform to bless others, even just by making a phone call. What platform has he given you? Some of you guys can do things with bikes or cars that I could not imagine. What if you use that to bless maybe a single mother that doesn't have the money to fix her car or to get her kid a bike? What if we used our talents in certain ways? Uh, I just saw Crystal. Are you around, Crystal Straub? I just saw Crystal, and she's got an apron on. And I go, Crystal, did you just keep that on all the time? Is that like your cape? right? Isn't she great? Because one, she's got a talent to cook, but she uses that over and over and over for the Lord. And I have benefited so many times. But the point is this, how are we using our time, our treasure, and our talents? All right, next slide. Anybody recognize this guy? Raise your hand if you know who that is. You got his name? Who who knows his name? Hand up. What's his name? Very good. Who is Michael Phelps? Tell me one thing about him. An Olympic swimmer, a really good Olympic swimmer, right? Did he win seven gold medals in one Olympics, I think it was? I think it was seven. Here's the thing. When Michael Phelps wins a gold medal, he gets to keep that gold medal, and he gets to see that wreath around his head. The New Testament talks about us getting wreaths and laying them down before Jesus. Okay? So when Michael Phelps wins a gold medal, he gets a gold medal, but who else is represented when he wins a gold medal? The United States of America. Okay? When your football team wins a championship, the players were on the field and they get rings. But the team gets the trophy. Uh, over, I'm so proud of this group. In, in Esterville, uh, the, the ELC Midgets, female, the girls' basketball team, won state this year. I was so happy for them. Okay? There was a team of 10 or 11 girls that took the court, but the school won the medal. So when we do these good works... We are given rewards, and we get those rewards, but also they glorify God. They, 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 they bring glory to God, okay? Now, after the rewards, judgment, there's something called the great white throne judgment. Next slide, would you? Judgment day, the great white throne judgment. And that is where we have the separation of the sheep and the goats. So it's basically where God says, okay, those of you that are in paradise, you're in the new heavens and the new earth. Those of you that are in Hades, you're going to a place called hell, the lake of fire. Um, that's a future event. 
I'm going to read it out of Revelation 20. It's up on the screen, 11 and 12. Then I saw a great white throne, and whom who seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And by the way, if you're a Christian, when you put your faith in the Lord, your name is in the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book. So somewhere there's books that have sins in it. And somehow or another, mine was blotted out. because Well, not somehow or another. I can tell you exactly how. There was a day where I said, Jesus, I'm a mess. I have a sin problem. I think you're the only solution. I'm putting my faith in you, and I'm following you the rest of my life. So here's the deal. We've got this, this description of the great white throne judgment. Verse 14 says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That's hell. In this, and this is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. So do you understand? Sheol, Hades, the bad side, is emptied into the lake of fire. That is hell. A couple things about that. A couple things about that. Um, there is, uh, so yeah, lake of fire there. Thank you. Um, if we keep going here, when it says the, the, the second death, when, when Jesus was talking to the, the Pharisee Nicodemus in John chapter 3, remember that's where we get God so loved the world he gave his only When he's talking to Nicodemus, he talks about being born again. And if you take John chapter 3 where Jesus talks about a second birth, and you put that with, with Revelation here where it talks about a second death, we actually end up with a riddle that you can have in the Bible. And the riddle works like this. And I would love teenagers especially to remember this, okay? According to the Bible, if you're born once, and that means a physical birth, you're born once, you will die twice. You'll die a physical death, and then there's a spiritual death, which, which is hell. If you're born twice, that means a spiritual birth, your birthday, and you're born again, born of the Spirit, as Jesus says. You put your faith in Jesus. You're born twice, you die once. Until Jesus comes, we will die a physical death, but we don't die a spiritual death. We live forever in eternity. Does that make sense? The Bible riddle is this. If you're born twice, you die once. If you're born twice, you die once, okay? Let me keep going. Um, to fill out the, the rest of this, at this point, heaven, the new heavens, the new earth, are, are brought down. It seems like they descend. I don't know how that shakes out, but there's these new heavens and new earths, and the resurrection has happened. So Chris Snyder's body has been resurrected. I have a different eternal body that will last forever, and we live physically. It's not just our spirit now. It is physically forever, enjoying God on the new heavens and the new earth. Real quick, can everybody make eye contact with me? Do you get what I'm saying right now? Now it's physical. We, our bodies have been reunited with our souls. Excellent. So part C, what will heaven be like after Christ returns? So now we're going to fast forward, and we're not talking about what our body is like or any of that. This is the heart part. And this is where I hope you enjoy it. And by the way, kids, if you're still here, or teenagers, this part gets rather fun, okay? We're moving on from the head and understanding to the heart part of it, okay? Number one, there will be rest, you guys. There will be rest. And when I think of rest, sometimes I think about when I'm exhausted and I roll over and I hit the snooze button for five more minutes. Can I tell you, that's not the type of rest we're talking about. We're not talking about five more minutes to barely catch your breath. We're not talking about a half-hour power nap. We're talking like, like sabbatical. We're talking, we're talking like, have you ever had such a long vacation you actually could forget about work? Have you ever been on the beach so long you actually could just rest? Hey, guys, 
in heaven, we will experience rest. That's a big part of heaven. Uh, number two, we will play, hey, hey, teenagers, kids, listen here real quick, okay? We will play. Now, over VBS week, we had a couple days which were water game days, and we had these balloons. Have you all seen the new water balloons where you hook a hose up to the nozzle, and it fills them up, and it takes, you can do 100 balloons in, in like one minute, and, and they, the balloons just fill up, and then you kind of go, and they all fall off, and there's a little rubber band on top of the balloon that seals it. Would you raise your hand if you ever use these kind of balloons? Oh, good. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Hand, check this out. Okay, now, do you, Kyle, remember when you were younger and old people would say stuff like, when I was a kid, and you're like, okay, right, here we go, right? You do. I do too, man. I do too. So I'm old. We're old now. So check this out. When I was a kid, it took like two, oh my goodness. It took like, I would get maybe two balloons tied in one minute. I, you could only get about 20 or 30 balloons at a time, and you had like blisters on your fingers. Do you, and, oh, I hated this, half the balloons blew up on you when you were doing it. Bethany, am I right? And so check this out. I'm doing these balloons this week, and I'm kind of divided, because half of me is like singing in my mind, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Like, these are great. And the other half of me is like, you kids got it so good, which is the old guy. Right, Kyle? It's the old guy. But I'm just like, you don't even know the trials, and then I hear my grandpa walking uphill both ways to school. Anyway, hey guys, in about 10 or 15 years, balloons have gone from water balloons, painfully, just terrible to work with, to really fun to fill up and quick. Can I just tell you, think about the things that we tend to love. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's your, your screen time, uh, or, or you know, your, your phone. Maybe it's movies, maybe it's games, maybe it's board games, which are real games, by the way. Okay, video games, board games. Whoa, 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 we're getting a little trigger happy here. Let's back it up. I try to remind my kids that, you know, these, most of these came along in the last 20 or 30 years. Again, old, right? Old man, nighter. Uh, but, but even sports, if you went back 100, 150 years, they didn't have the sports we have today. I don't know if they threw rocks as far as they could or what they, what they do back then, Dick. Okay, no, no, okay, sorry, go, oh, that was good, right? Um, hey, a lot of the things we just love for recreation today weren't around 100 years ago. So let me, let me tell you, in probably the next 50 years, we're going to have stuff like this, okay? There we are. This is a four-wheeler that you can take right onto the lake, and the wheels go up, and it's a jet ski. This looks like something out of Return of the Jedi that they chased Ewoks with, okay? That's basically a man-sized drone, that he can fly around on. And the one on the right is like Iron Man, okay? Guys, we are not far from stuff that just blows. Well, I'm still stuck on GPS. I do not know how a little computer knows where I'm at. I do not get that. But, but regardless, we will probably, most of us, live to see these things. So kids especially, but, but you adults too. Can I just tell you, what will heaven be like when the mind is not limited or restrained by sin, where there's technology, maybe there's miracles. I mean, what are some of the things we're going to be able to do in heaven? It'll be epic. I was talking about this with some teenagers once, and we talked about mixing with that the fact that you can't die. Oh, they went all over the place. They're talking about jumping out of planes without parachutes. They're talking about jet skiing off Niagara Falls. I don't know how that's going to shake out. I know their parents didn't like the conversation. But regardless, regardless, guys, Heaven is going to be fun, and there will be time to play, okay? Um, let me keep going here. We will travel. I had a friend in college that told me about their senior skip day. 
that, that last day of school, uh, not last day, but one of the last days in the last week, where he lived out in California. And for senior skip day, they would go to the beach in the morning. And they would go down and they'd cross over the border into Mexico and hit another country. And they would drive over to Arizona, the next over state, and they would end the night in the mountains. They would end the night in the mountains. So in one day, they would do another state, another country, the beach, and the mountains. And I thought, man, that's a full day. That'd be fun. I can get to like cornfields and a Casey's. Like that's my day, right? That's Iowa senior skip day. Maybe Walmart, right? That's big. Um, guys, what happens when you have eternity to travel? Did you ever think about that? Like God didn't just make the earth. Whether we do it before Jesus comes back or not, there's a whole universe, universe to see and explore. So that's kind of exciting to me. Um, I think of Winter Park. And, you know, when I go to Winter Park, it's so different than Mankato, right? Mount Cato, it's like 30 seconds, I'm done. Do I want hot chocolate or do I want to go up again? In Winter Park, you can ski for like hours down the mountain, okay? Now, what if on the new heavens and the new earth, because we can't pass out from lack of oxygen, what if we can ski Mount Everest? How cool will that be? Now, on Mars, there's a mountain which is 14 miles high. It's three times as high as Mount Everest. That's the next rock over from us. Dick, do you think there might be some really cool skiing throughout the universe? I think there's going to be. I think there's going to be some sports or some things we haven't even thought about yet. So guys, we will have a lot of fun traveling. Also, we will work. Before you moan, before you moan, remember, work existed in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to tell you some of the people I see that do the best job of this and enjoying their work are farmers. I was talking to a farmer once from the church I was at in Esterville. And he said, Chris, I don't know how we get to figure out what we do in heaven, but I love farming, and I hope God lets me farm in heaven. And I was like, that's so cool that you love your job. I love my job. In heaven, it's not going to be a job we don't like. It's going to be a job we just love. A few years ago, this article came out, and they needed somebody for six months to work in this Australian island to basically take data for a few hours a day. Data entry, data entry. They paid you $100,000 for half a year's worth of work to be on this Caribbean island, okay? That's what I think of when I think of the work in heaven. You're gonna love it. Oh, kids, kids, get this. There'll be animals, ready, ready? From all periods of time, okay? So let's go to the next slide here. There'll be animals, and oh, back up one. I got Chad Stump. Chad was a friend of mine where I grew up in Riverside, Iowa, right down by Iowa City. And Chad grew up in the Catholic Church. And when I was going to, to um, this little town, Riverside, Chad had stopped going to church. I said, well, Chad, and I wasn't a Christian at the time. But I go, Chad, why did you quit going to church? And he goes, I was really mad at my priest. I said, well, what happened? He goes, my dog died. And my priest said my dog wouldn't be in heaven. And he goes, I, I'm not interested in God. Now, that's, a, that's like a, a fourth grade version of how we deal with stuff, right? But his priest told him his dog won't be in heaven. Now, I got to tell you, theologically, real quick here, theologically, that's kind of the place I was at for a long time. And here's why. I can argue it. Dogs don't have souls. So, like, there's not, like, a, a doggy heaven and a doggy hell. They just die. There will be dogs in heaven. But I, I could not argue that my dog, Sadie, will be in heaven because Sadie doesn't have a soul. And I taught that for a long period of time. And I tried to teach it in such a way that, you know what? You'll have other dogs. you love them. And then I had a guy named Brett from Estreva, who I respect so much. He's an amazing dad. And he goes, Chris, you know, there might be pets in heaven. Like, our pets might be there. And I'm like, well, I, I went theological with him. I said, well, 
how do you get there? Because I don't see any verse that says dogs have souls. And he goes, no, I'm not saying dogs have souls. But all I'm saying, Chris, is if your dog died and you could bring it back to life so your kids would have their dog again, would you? And I said, well, yeah, absolutely I would. Where are you going with this? Where's this at in the Bible? And he took me to this verse. Um, and we've all read it. Which of you, if your own son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, give good gifts to those who ask him? And so can I just tell you this? I'm not saying animals have souls. But what Brett taught me was, it does not undo any major theological doctrine to say God could bring back a dog named Fluffy that little Sarah had when she was a child. So for me, I got no problem saying, you know what? God can do things I can't. That doesn't change anything big. That probably happens. So if you, Chad, if you're listening online, brother, come back. Um, next slide. There will be animals from all times. Now, some of you are like, okay, so heaven's going to be like Jurassic World? That's terrifying. But here's the difference. Do you realize in heaven, there won't be any sin and there won't be any death? So my boys, the Niter boys, are totally excited because they're planning on riding T-Rexes. And we got nothing to worry about. Um, when you go back to the Old Testament, you read this in several places. The wolf and the lamb will lie down and they'll feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. Do you understand that in heaven, it'll be like the Garden of Eden where the animals don't eat each other. They didn't do that in the Garden of Eden. There was no death. There was no death. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So the dinosaurs in heaven will be nice and friendly dinosaurs. You can pet them. Okay, guys, this gets far out but we can make a case for it. I'm not saying it will happen, but it could happen. We might be able to speak to the animals. There's a book that Randy Alcorn wrote called Heaven, and he looks at some things that are kind of speculation, but he goes, look, there's a line where it could happen. In Genesis 3, do you remember the serpent spoke to Eve? Did you ever notice she didn't freak out? Real quick, look at me. If I see a serpent at all, I'm doing like the weird dance, right? Like, oh boy, Right? She doesn't freak out. Then it starts talking to her, and she doesn't freak out. Maybe animals in the garden spoke. But here's what gets really interesting. When John, the apostle John, sees Revelation, he says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. He doesn't say every person or every tongue or every tribe or every nation. He says every creature. So there's a good chance, those of you that have seen The Lion King, remember when Rafiki brings out Simba? Do you remember that? And then all the animals bow and worship. There is a good chance. I mean, we have a Lion King of our own, don't we? There is a good chance that in heaven we will worship alongside animals and we might get to talk to them. Again, that's a fun one. That might or might not be, but there's a chance. All right, we're going to kind of wrap it up here um, with a really good one. We will worship forever. And by the way, I work with teens, and a lot of teens are honest with me. They say, Chris, I'm just going to be real. I, an eternal worship service does not sound great to me. They're, they're like, you know, I, we love God. But the, can I just tell you, one, we worship in more ways than just praise, right? We worship how we play. We worship how we serve. We worship in all kinds of ways. So it doesn't mean we're just in church worshiping God in heaven. But in heaven, there will be something that happens where our worshiper, our, our, like inside of us, that little worship thing, lines up with what it should be. So I'm going to give you two examples of when I saw worship over the last week, and I was involved with it. The first one was VBS. So on our last day of VBS, 
they announced, we did this fundraiser, Girls versus Guys, and they announced who had raised the most money. And, and they do it really dramatically. And it turned out, oh man, I'll tell you, I can't tell them, Sherry, one of our leaders, put 500 bucks in the guy's account. So the guys won on the last day. They came out of nowhere and won. And the guys started jumping up and down on the pews. And they were like running across, like, you know, straddling the pews and giving fives and stuff. And, 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 and uh, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I don't think this, I think this rocks. You got kids going bonkers in church about giving money to help people in Ukraine. Praise God. But my point is, we saw some excitement in that sanctuary that we don't always see. The other one was, I was at a game on Friday night, and three of my guys, three of my guys hit home runs, in the park home runs, right, because they're younger kids. So they hit the ball to the fence, and they're running, and running, and running, and they're coming around third, and their coach is waving them on. And where I'm sitting, I always sit right between third and home where they can see me, and I'm just standing up. Come on, come on, slide, run them over, whatever I'm saying about the catcher, right? Come on, and I'm just cheering. And can you just hear me real quick? When we get to heaven, there will be a proper alignment where the things that get us stand up out of your chair excited now will be in line with the glory of God. And can I just promise you, I don't often promise, can I promise you, you will not get bored of worship in heaven. You will not be bored. All right, we're going to give you three takeaways. We're going to call it a day. Number one, evil will be judged. Evil will be judged. My wife loves watching these, these murder mysteries, and sometimes the people get caught, and sometimes they don't. I'll tell you, one of the murder mysteries from all time that bothers me the most is Jack the Ripper, this guy that did terrible things in England, terrible things in London, and he never got caught by the police. But one of the things that gives me great hope is knowing that our God is a just and an all-knowing God, and Jack the Ripper will not get away with this ultimately. He will be judged for it. Do you understand me? Um, so, number one, remember, God is just. But number two is a hard one for me now. Because when I had just become a Christian, I had an uncle whose name was Pete. Pete was one of the most moral, kind men I ever knew. Uh, that's not him. I just didn't have a picture of Pete, so I typed in Uncle Pete, and that's who came up. <laughs> if, if that's one of your Uncle Pete's, I apologize. He's probably doing great. He's probably, you know... Pete, if you're watching today, sorry if that's you. Uh, I just Googled Uncle Pete. Um, but my Uncle Pete was a great, a very kind man, a very kind man, but not a Christian. So I, was a, I had put my faith in Christ about a year before Pete died, and that's a, that's a pretty strong wrestling match you have with God when you lose somebody for the first time that was a really good man but didn't know God. Can, can I just tell you something? When it talks about hell, it talks about a lake of fire, right? And I want to remind you, Satan is not like the, the manager of the hotel in hell. He's at the bottom of the lake of fire, okay? He is under God's wrath. But you also have deep down in that lake, I mean, there are levels where you would have the Hitlers, the Jack the Rippers, the Osama Bin Ladens. And, and I have a lot of confidence. In fact, Erwin Lutzer, the, the famous pastor from Moody Bible Church in Chicago, said one time he was doing a funeral for, some, for a non-Christian man who had passed away, but his whole family was Christian and they knew exactly how that chart worked. And he said, here's the thing you can put your hope in, is God is perfectly fair. So he is in hell, and he is not liking it. But hell is not equal for everybody. He's not getting Jack the Ripper treatment. Now, oh, i got to call time out real quick. That is not meant to at all diffuse the part of you that says, I have got to tell people about Jesus. There is no part of you that needs to hear that in here. Oh, 
Some parts of hell aren't that bad. I'm not gonna, no, don't hear that, okay? Pray for, tell people about Jesus. But what I'm telling you is hell is fair from the top to the bottom. So those of you that know nice people that went to hell, I mean, there's a whole theology of this where we can talk about um, total depravity and everything, but, but the point is this. God is fair and he's just, okay? Uh, number two, believers will be rewarded. Don't forget that. So we live our life, and we don't do it for the gold medal. We don't do it for the reward. We do it because we love Jesus and we love people. But remember, we are judged, rewarded for how we live. And the last thing I want you to, to know is this. All destinations are final right now. For those that die, there is no crossing over that chasm. There is no leaving Hades and going to paradise. All destinations are final. If you've ever been up to a football game, a Vikings game, or a Twins game up in the Twin Cities, where they put the stadium right in the middle of a city, still does not make sense to me, right in the middle of downtown. When you leave it, you will notice traffic jams everywhere, and there's these police officers, and they're, they're just directing traffic. And watch this the next time you're at it. They're holding one lane, stopped, and with the other hand, they're saying, come on, it's time to go, it's time to go. Can I tell you, right now, we are at a point in history where God has two hands up. With one hand, God is holding back his wrath, which will be over the lake of fire. He is holding back that wrath. Jesus has not come back yet. And with his other hand, he is saying, there is time. Come on, people. There's time. He wants you to tell people, there's time. There's time. Right now, today, God is holding back his wrath, and he is inviting people to come see him. But there is a day when Jesus returns where both hands go down. And that's that. For those that know him, the new heavens and the new earth will be amazing. But saints, we're not there right now. The traffic guard is out. He's holding us back and he's saying, we have time. Be on mission. Does that make sense? It would be improper for me to rest or to finish a message on heaven without a challenge to tell people about heaven. Let me close some prayer, you guys. Lord, we love you. We thank you for heaven. We thank you that what is actually fair for every one of us is not heaven, but you made an unfair way, a gracious way, a merciful way for us to be reunited with you. Father, as we close with these songs, would we not waste the next 10 minutes of our lives thinking about lunch or what's next? Would we think about the words, each line, each word, and how heaven relates to that and what you have done, how the cross relates to that? Lord, let us give you worship. Let our worship align right now and just spill over with worship. Amen.